just to think about this Easter story, this story of redemption, and uh, it's a theme that runs all the way throughout the Bible. Um, David the psalmist in Psalm 118, and Psalm 118 is one of a number of psalms uh, that would be recited at this time of year by Jewish people called Passover. And uh, the theme of the readings is really about redemption. And uh, you heard in that passage from the Bible there, that says we've never been slaves to anybody. Well, actually, the Israelites had been slaves. They'd been slaves in Egypt. And if you read through Psalm 113 to 118, you'll, you'll find out what we mean. But one of the verses that caught my eye as I was preparing for today was in Psalm 118, verse 5. And it says this, In my anguish I cried to the Lord, and he answered me by setting me free. This whole thing about redemption is about freedom. And I don't know about you, but there are things in my life that I want to be set free from. There are certain ways of thinking which are destructive, and I want to be set free from those ways of thinking. There are certain ways of behaving that I want to be set free from because those ways of behaving are destructive for me as a person. But as Robert illustrated by his I in the middle of the letter, the word sin, the letter I, it's about me. And when we allow ourselves uh, to, to get the better of us, then we find that we start being uncomfortable and uh, we start getting upset and we start realizing that actually we've fallen short of the way that God wants us to live. Um, you read about the story of the, uh, the, the Hebrews come out, coming out of Egypt. We read it in Exodus. And it says uh, that the people were in slavery there. And Passover is about remembering how God had delivered the people from slavery. Job uh, a man in the Bible who has lived in the ancient world, he said this in Job 19.25, I know that my Redeemer, capital R, I know that my Redeemer lives, and at the end he will stand upon the earth. And Job, who had no Bible, who had no church, had this revelation that one day he would see Jesus. What an incredible revelation. And he talked about not only the redemption of his spirit, we talked about, somebody talked about our, our, how our spirit returns to God, but he's talking about his body being restored as well. And uh, it's also reflected in Job chapter 14. L listen to this. If a man dies, will he live again? Science would tell us that you can't die and live again. And yet Jesus died and three days later rose to life again. What must that have been like for the people in those days, incredible. We'll think about that more in a little second. Can a man live again? All the days of my hard service, I will wait for my renewal to come. And the word there for renewal is, is like changing your clothes. You will call and I will answer you. You will long for the creature your hands have made. We've thought about that already this morning, how God has created us and how God will long for the creature that he has made. Surely then you will count my steps, but not keep track of my sin. Listen to this. My offenses will be sealed up in a bag. You will cover over my sin. What an incredible revelation that, uh, that Job has. All of his sin, all of his offenses will be sealed up and put in a bag. David recognizes uh, the Lord is his redeemer. 
And we see that in Psalm 19, verse 14. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. God is a redeemer. God is the one who buys us back out of sin, out of slavery to sin. What have we, what have we been redeemed from? Well, listen to this. I think we've been redeemed from a number of things, but the first one is sin, and we talked about that with the boys and girls very briefly. Listen to what uh, John says. To the Jews who had believed him, Jesus says, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him, we are Abraham's descendants, and we have never been slaves to anyone. And we've already said that that's not strictly true. How can you say that we shall be set free? Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. Everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Have you ever found yourself doing something that you don't want to do, knowing that it's the wrong thing? One or two people, okay? Yes. <laughs> doing something that you don't want to do, even though you know it's the wrong thing, even though you know it can be personally destructive to yourself, and to other people, and yet we still do it. Why? Because it says that everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now, a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. And that's what Jesus came to do. He came to adopt us into God's family. And so verse 36 says, So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. The reality is that all of us have sinned and we've fallen short of God's perfect standard. The problem comes when we try to get ourselves out of that situation and back into God's good books by doing good works, by doing our own thing again. And it's never, ever sufficient. Even the most disciplined and diligent person in this room, you can never earn your way back into God's favor through your hard work. The Bible says that we've been saved by grace. It's not something that we can earn. We've been singing about that this morning in the songs. It's not something we can earn. It's something that's given to us. We've also been set free from guilt. I don't know about you, but sometimes, sometimes you look back at the things of your past. I think probably now for most of the things that I look back on, you know, I think it was David who says, remember not the sins of my youth. As I look back at my past, there are some things which have haunted me for years and years and years. Things which I have still felt guilty about. But Jesus comes not only to redeem us from sin, but to redeem us from guilt as well. I don't know about you, have you ever thought, how, how do you deal with guilt? How can I deal uh, with guilt? And I think there's probably two ways. The first one is to actually make out that there's nothing wrong with what you're doing, the way you're thinking, the way you're speaking, the way you're behaving, and uh, try and convince yourself that there's nothing wrong. Actually, I'm right, and uh, everybody else is wrong, and uh, you just need to put up with me because I'm right. Well, do you think that's going to work, trying to convince yourself? I think that's what happens a lot in our culture today. And I've heard... I've listened to people who promote atheism and secularism. Uh, we've been in school where we've had uh, the opportunity to talk about uh, atheism and Christianity and the, the differences. 
and uh, people have had the opportunity to ask questions, the young people. And one of the arguments that's come through uh, for, for defending this way of living is that we're free to live our lives the way that we please. That's what people sometimes think, that non-belief in God means freedom to live our lives the way that we like. If we can convince ourselves that our way of doing things is right, then maybe we're going to feel better about ourselves. I read this just this week. Somebody who was uh, thinking about Passover and what that had meant to them and their family, the, the Jewish feast at this time of year. And it says that the person said, Passover now serves as a reminder of the rigid and orthodox world I came from and the secular and free world I am part of now. Somebody who no longer practiced their faith would still uh, identify themselves as a Jew, but no longer practice their faith. And they talk about this free and secular world. One way to deal with guilt is to convince yourself that what you're doing is right. I think if you can convince yourself that there's no God, then you convince yourself perhaps that there's no judgment. That's a risky strategy. No God means no accountability to higher power, but what if? No God means that each of us does as he sees fit. Look around you at the world in which you live, where people do what they think is the right thing. Our world is full of people who think they're doing the right thing. Is it a good world that we live in? There's lots of incredibly good things happening, and we don't hear about them in the news, but we turn on our TVs, we open our newspapers, we uh, switch on our iPads to read the news, whatever we do, however we access it, and we read about a world which is full of people who are doing their own thing, who are doing what looks right in their eyes, and it's not working. And let me say as well that neither does the church work when it gets itself in a pickle as well. And through history, the church has got itself in some places where it's done some things that I don't know about you, I don't want to stick my name to that and say I'm part of that. There are some things that happen in our world when we get away from God's plan, when we get away from God's way of living, that they they, they just cause problems and they cause harm and they cause destruction for us and for the people who are around us. Jesus came to redeem us from guilt. We can make out that what we're doing is okay, or we can acknowledge and confess our sin to God. Listen to what the psalmist says in Psalm 32. Then he's been talking about how he's been wrestling with this. I'm not guilty. I've not done anything wrong. And he says that when he did that, it was like his whole being was wasting away. Then he says, I acknowledge my sin to you. Talking about God the Father. I did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgression to the Lord and you forgave me the guilt of my sin. Psalm 32, verse 5. I think that carrying guilt is a destructive thing. I know from personal experience that it's destructive. And so many people in our world are carrying guilt, carrying sin, either the things that they have done or the things that have been done to them. And Jesus comes and he offers redemption. He offers to set us free from sin. He offers to set us free from guilt. He offers a new way of life. It's called redemption and it's achieved through Jesus' death and resurrection. 
What are we redeemed from? We're redeemed from God's standards, God's law in that respect. That law which we can't fulfill in our own strength. I think we can try as hard as we like, but I think everybody has a sense of right and wrong. Have you ever said, maybe even the boys and girls as well, have you ever said, that's not fair? Have you ever said that? Have you ever said that? That's not fair. You shouldn't be doing that. You're upsetting me. We know when something has been done to us that's wrong. We have an innate sense of right and wrong. It's your fault. It's not fair. That's mine. And you're not getting it. And I'm not sharing with you because you're a bad person. All these things that we say as children, and yet we carry these things on into adulthood as well. And I think what the Bible tells us is that God's moral code, God's law, is written into our very being. It's part of our DNA. It's part of who we are. God's moral standard is written into us. This is what the writer of the Romans says, All who sin apart from the law will also perish apart from the law. And all who sin under the law will be judged by the law. For it is not those who hear the law who are righteous in God's sight, but it is those who obey the law who will be declared righteous. Indeed, when Gentiles, talking about us, non-Jews, who do not have the law, do by nature the things required by a law, they are a law for themselves, even though they do not have the law, since they show that the requirements of the law are written on their hearts, their consciences also bearing witness, and their thoughts now accusing now even defending. This will take place on the day when God will judge men's secret thoughts through Jesus Christ, as my gospel declares. That law which is written into our hearts, has anyone in here never had any pangs of conscience? It's like, I've just said something, I've just done something, and I now have a conscience about it. You immediately know that something is wrong. Can I just say that there are people in this world whose consciences aren't working? Let's face facts, okay? Uh, I'm being serious. There are people whose, whose consciences are not working. But the point is that God's law is written into our hearts and Jesus has come in order to help us to be in relationship with God. Not that we can achieve it through works, but that God achieves it through what Jesus has done. You see, there was a price to pay for this redemption. I just think about Jesus and I think, what an incredible man. What an incredible man. As we read through Isaiah, if you read through that book, there are so many references to Jesus. Isaiah 42 verses 1 and 4 says, listen to this. Here is my servant whom I uphold. He's talking about Jesus. My chosen one in whom I delight. I will put my spirit on him. And he will bring justice to the nations. He will not shout out or cry out or raise his voice in the streets. I love this verse. Verse 3. A bruised reed he will not break. A smoldering wick he will not snuff out. In faithfulness he will bring forth justice. He will not falter or be discouraged till he establishes justice on the earth. Jesus comes to establish justice for all of the sin that has been done to us. For all of the times where we have sinned against ourselves and against other people, he has come 
to establish justice. And I love this. A bruised reed he will not break, and a smoldering wick he will not snuff out. I don't know if you've ever been there before, where you think, I'm at the end of my tether. You might be a Christian, and you think, I don't know if I can keep going on, because I've had enough. I'm a smoldering wick. It's like, you know that moment where you blow out the candle and there's a wee red tip on the end of the candle and there's smoke coming off of it? And you think, it's just about to be snuffed out. And sometimes we can be in that place either as Christians or even if we've not made that decision to follow Jesus. And he says this, that he will not snuff us out. A bruised reed he will not break. What an incredible person Jesus is. He is patient with each one of us. Listen to what Peter says. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. For everyone to come to realize that God has come in the person of Jesus to redeem us, to buy us back. I don't know what your response is, My response is, thank you. And the words are insufficient. Thank you. That's why we sing songs like the songs we sung this morning. Because they begin to help us to express that gratitude towards God. Listen to this. John chapter 3, verses 17 through to 18. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Jesus came to save this world to redeem us, to set us free from the bondage that we have to sin. I can only imagine what this world would be like if every single person, I think it's about 7.4 billion people on the planet, imagine if the 7.4 billion people on the planet accepted Jesus as their Lord and Savior and lived the way that he had instructed us to live. The news would be very different, a different world. If we were serious about our relationship with God, And if we sought to live our lives the way that he's instructed us to, the way that he's made it possible for us to through Jesus, then this world would be a different place. We would not see half of the things that we see in our world. Jesus didn't come to condemn us, but to save us. Whoever believes in him is not condemned. Do you believe that? Whoever believes in him is not condemned. But whoever does not believe stands condemned already because he has not believed on the name of God's one and only Son. Jesus came to set us free from sin. Jesus came to set us free from guilt. Jesus came to accomplish what we could not accomplish, which was written in God's law. Our job is to accept that. Our job is to accept the offer of salvation that comes through the person of Jesus Christ. There was a price to be paid. Jesus died on the cross. Jesus shed his blood. He was punished. He was bruised. He was beaten. He endured incredible torture so that our sin could be paid for. And uh, just as we finish off, Ephesians chapter 1, verses 7 through 8 says this, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, 
in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. We've sung about it this morning already. We'll sing about it again, about this incredible grace that is there and offered to us. Just, just like the key eggs were offered out to the boys and girls, free. It's offered free. Does anybody want a cream egg? Come and get it. Come and get it. Yeah? It's offered free. <laughs> what we need to do is think about that free gift that's an offer. This redemption which is an offer, this offer of salvation, this offer of freedom from sin, freedom from guilt, and freedom from trying to work it all out in our own strength, is offered through the person of Jesus. He offers it to us. He says, here it is. It's my grace. My grace, I offer it to you. I'm holding it out. I'm going to ask that you come and that you take it and that you accept that gift of God's grace. Let's just bow our heads and close our eyes as we draw this message to a close. And the reality is that we live in a world which has been damaged, a world which has been damaged through sin. Our relationship with God has been damaged through sin. And Jesus came to offer us a way for us to be connected to God again. Just as a piece of electrical equipment is useless without being plugged into the source of power, so are we unless we're plugged into God, unless we're connected to God in relationship. And Father, we pray that you come and that you take your word and that you bring it to life in our hearts today. Father, that we might know this Easter time that Jesus came to die, Jesus came to save us, and Jesus came to offer us freedom from guilt, freedom from sin. Jesus came to offer us a way to God through grace, a free gift that we can accept. And Father, we pray that you'd help us to accept that free gift, that gift of God's grace, that gift of salvation. Father, help us to accept that today. Father, we thank you for your gift of Jesus to this world. Father, we thank you that we see in him a demonstration of your perfect love, a demonstration of your justice, a demonstration of your incredible grace. And Father, we pray that over this Easter time that you'd help us to accept the words of Jesus, to meditate, to think upon the words of Jesus. And Father, we pray that you would help us to accept this free gift of grace that is an offer through Jesus. Father, we bless you and we ask that you would in turn bless us, Father, for every family that's here today and Father, the family, the wider families that we represent. Father, we pray that you'd pour out your blessing. Father, upon this community in which we live, we pray that you'd pour out your blessing. Father, on the other churches, that you'd pour out your blessing. And Father, we pray that you'd help us to stay close to you. Father, help us to live in the reality of this grace, of this redemption which you have given us. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen.